just want to start by saying thank you to our band and musos, sound people, barbecue people, and yeah, that'd be great. Um, kids ministry crew downstairs, all of these people that are serving at the moment are doing a pretty long Sunday. Two services means getting here earlier and getting home a bit later, and for many it means getting up 6.30, 6.45 to be here at sort of 7.45 to prepare worship so that uh, um, we can sing and worship God in that way, and so I'm really thankful for those who serve at the moment, and um, we're very blessed by them. Uh, Tony Campolo uh, tells a story a um, long time ago now, um, the story of um, a man who had a broken relationship um, with his son. And so he wants to be reconciled to him, so he puts uh, an ad in the major newspaper of Madrid. We'll call it the Madrid Times. I just made that bit up. And uh, the ad says... Um, uh, uh, Paco, his, his son's name, Paco, my son, all is forgiven. Meet me at Plaza Maya, 12.30 Sunday. Meet me the main square in the main plaza in Madrid, 12.30 Sunday. Paco, my son, all is forgiven. Meet me there on Sunday. On Sunday, just before 12.30, he finds himself walking towards the main piazza, the main square in Madrid. And walking alongside him and around him, he realizes and notices hundreds of other men walking to this square. He wonders what else is happening that day in the square in Madrid. And when he gets there, he finds out what's happened. Is that Paco is a popular name in Spain. <laughs> hundreds of Pacos have gone to be reconciled to their father. This morning, I want to share with you a story of reconciliation, appropriate in Father's Day, because when we talk about fathers, uh, often there is difficulty in relationships with fathers. John Eldridge's book, um, Wild at Heart, which is a book about man, manhood and, and, and men becoming men and resolving things and uh, becoming who God has called them to be. I think it might be chapter two of that book is called The Father Wound. And it speaks about the fact that for many men there is a father wound. But I wonder if uh, rather than um, causing wounds or, or merely not causing wounds, we might be able to raise fathers and be fathers who might actually empower and inspire and equip and release our sons um, to be able to thrive, it, that they might be able to stand not on the shoulders of giants, but be able to stand on our shoulders and to be able to look ahead and that we might hoist them up so that they can actually see a path ahead and we might lead them in that so that they might be all that God has made them to be. So this morning I'm talking about fatherhood from Luke chapter 15, the story of the lost son. Uh, you can open that up or it's going to be on the screen. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me a share of the estate. So he, just, he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, 
there was a severe famine in that whole country, he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out, go back to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not, no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, and ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he, has, uh, because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home... You kill the fattened calf for him, my son, the father said. You are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I said this in the, in the first service. We could probably just say amen there and, and go home and take enough out of that, I think. But uh, I get you know, paid good money to preach sermons, so I better <laughs> continue. <laughs> uh, I've got a message to share. Uh, I shouldn't say that. That's, that was a joke. Um, especially the part about getting paid good money. No, um, <laughs> digging a hole for myself now. Um, I think we all know this is not a story written to teach us about parenting. It's not a parenting advice story. This story is put in here, and I'll say this right up front because I never know who's hearing this sermon. I never know who hears this on the podcast. This sermon is put in the Bible because Jesus wanted to teach the people, and he wants us to know that we, all of us, have a loving Heavenly Father. And it doesn't matter what your relationship or whether you had an earthly father or not, and what your experience of an earthly father was there is a loving Heavenly Father. God is a Heavenly Father who loves you unconditionally, unconditionally, and longs for you to turn to Him. And the Bible says that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. 
We've all turned to our own way. And, and so that means that all of us, at one time or another, have turned away from God like the sun did at some level and have said, God, you know, we'll do it our own way. Uh, we kind of, we're, we're thankful to have the inheritance, but we'll actually do things our own way. And we've turned away from God. And God longs for us and waits for us to turn back to Him and say, God, I need you. God, where are you? God, are you there? And when we do, we will discover, you will discover that He is there and that He loves you and He will welcome you back in because He is a loving Heavenly Father. That's what this story is teaching us. But it's also a story that we can glean on Father's Day, some insights about what it is to be a good father because our father is a perfect heavenly father. Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Be imitators of God. Look to him and look at his nature and his character so we can learn from uh, our heavenly father. So um, let's, let's look at four ways that we can learn from God. Firstly, just understanding this story. It's really interesting to see that um, there's three lost stories uh, in chapter 15, there's the lost sheep, there's the lost coin, and then there's the lost son. Now, the lost coin manages, uh, that's, that gets three verses to explain that story, right? It's not really, doesn't take a lot of uh, complexity around talking about the lost coin. Someone loses a coin, then they find the coin. Great. Uh, then there's the lost sheep. Well, that takes seven verses, um, and there's, this, there's actually a degree of uh, kind of uh, care for the sheep. He puts the sheep on his shoulders when he finds the lost sheep and he goes searching for it. Uh, but that's seven verses. But when we get to the lost son, it's, um, more time is devoted to this than the other two stories combined. Why is that? Well, because once we start talking about a lost son, it's an intimate story. It's a story about intimacy and also, once we talk about a, a, a son and a father, it's a story of complexity. Um, and parenthood is complex. Parenthood is complex. I appreciate that as I preach this sermon. I preach to people who, who are in all sorts of different situations regarding fatherhood and, and parenthood. And some are not parents. Some uh, may hope to be parents. Uh, there's all the stages also. Because I you know, if you bring a message, there's, a, there's someone who is a parent, brand new parent. There's others who have been parents for all different stages of life and uh, you know you can be a brand new father where you have this child that's completely dependent upon you that's a beautiful stage those times when you just hold this little baby and look down upon it but it's also a stage where you don't sleep a lot and uh, there's all those challenges that come with it and then you kind of hit toddler stage and you have these little kids that just run around the house like crazy creating a mess the whole time but it's really funny because they're they're hilarious and they've got big heads and um, um, they're just gorgeous and you just love, you know, holding them in your arms and seeing them come down the slippery dip and they're, they're starting to learn to talk and all of this kind of stuff. Um, but that's also a pretty full on stage, terrible twos and tantrums and, um, you know, sometimes the kids have the tantrums too. Um, <laughs> you go through the school years and uh, then you hit the teenage years which uh, we are hitting, and of course that's a really easy stage. Um, uh, but that has its beautiful parts too. Um, I love the fact that now I can do stuff with my kids, you know, go for a bike ride with them and talk footy with them and play board games with them, and um, uh, they, can, they can start to do that in a, in a really real, real relational way. 
but it's also a challenging stage, really challenging stage. And then, of course, you become um, empty nesters and your kids become adults, and this is a stage I haven't reached yet, but, you know, they start to leave home and instead of you being able to sort of advise them or direct them or when they're a toddler say, no, you can't, you know, that's danger, move away, then you can't actually do that anymore because you can only give advice when they actually want it. And now you've got a parent at a distance. They may choose things that actually you would want to say, hey, come away from that, that's dangerous or that's not good, but you actually can't do that anymore. You can only do it when you're invited to. And you go through all these stages of life and there's parents here who have been parents for a lot longer than me that know that. But let me give you four things out of Scripture that, that I think can speak to us and I'll do this pretty briefly. First thing is, four things children need a dad. Children need a dad who? One, children need a dad who never gives up on them. There's the best part of the story that when this son finally comes to his senses and starts to return home, his father, who knows that his son is, is, uh, is lost and he thinks maybe his son is dead, but he never stops looking ahead down the road. He never stops looking, just hoping, just hoping. He never gives up on the fact that his son might return. And so when his son does return, his son doesn't come and knock on the door. His father sees him when he's a long way off. And you can just imagine the father heart just to see his son, like sees this figure walking back and he sees the, the, the gate of the walk and the build and he starts to think, is that? Yes, it is. And he sees him from a long way on because he never gives up. He never gives up on his son. And I don't know whether you've got young kids or no kids or older kids, but you know, there's times when, when I don't know, you, you, you feel like maybe I'm going to give up on, on are they ever going to come to faith in God or are they ever going to be reconciled into relationship or are they ever going to you know recover from bad choices or whatever it is and you think is this ever going to happen and maybe you kind of feel like giving up but I would just want to say to you just take heart from the heavenly father never give up on your kids never give up Winston Churchill um, famously preached uh, not preached famously uh, gave a speech um, and the story goes, it's actually not a true story, but it's a good story. Um, the story goes that he gave this speech where he stood up, I think at his, his old school where he'd grown up, uh, Harrow, 1941, and he gave a speech where the only things he said, they were expecting to give this grand speech, and he stood up and he said, never give up, never give up. And he repeated that eight times and sat down, and that was the speech. Now, it's an amazing story. It didn't actually happen. He spoke for 20 minutes. But uh, somewhere in there, he did say, never give in, apparently. And that's as close as we get. And that's just <laughs> led to this famous story. Um, but, but never give up. Never give up. You know, it's funny. Proverbs says, train a child in the way he should go, uh, or way they should go. And when they are older, they will not turn from it. And Proverbs, we know, is wise teaching, but it's not a guarantee. And our, our kids are going to make lots of choices and not all of them will be good. And I think the older parents know that very well. But never give up on your kids. Never give up. Second point is this. Children need a, a dad whose character is defined by compassion and grace. Children need a dad whose character is defined by character, by compassion and grace. The father um, sees the son and the son has stuffed up so badly. He has blown all the money. He has wasted it 
he has every reason to be angry and upset with the son, but actually in his heart, the thing that really defines him is compassion and, and, and grace. And children are going to make mistakes big and small, but we need to be defined by compassion and grace. Yes, discipline is part of parenting, an important part of parenting. Boundaries are essential in, in parenting. Being willing to uphold boundaries is itself an act of great love. But we must not be uh, harsh with our children. Ephesians 6.4 says, Father, do not, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Instead, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. But the message puts it this way. Children, do not exacerbate your children. Hold on. That's wrong. Fathers, do not exacerbate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. You know, you can be very easy as a father to be harsh with your children and I think probably harsher with your sons particularly. Um, I remember a story at the beach, a, a, a dad who was a couple of shacks down from me, he was older than me, so I was just a, perhaps a young adult listening to him. He was very harsh with his kids and he was a, he was a big guy, he was an ex-football star and um, just a, like a man's man and I remember one day his kid got hurt on the beach and he's coming up from the shore and he shouted out to him, stop crying, be a man. I'm like, well, he's a, he is only four years old, um, <laughs> you know, but be a man. And, and um, um, that's not a great way to parent. It's easy for, uh, for, for us as, as blokes to be, to be harsh, I think, particularly with sons. But we need to actually be defined by compassion and grace. How will your children remember you? How will they remember you? Will they remember you as a man of compassion and grace and care and love? Thirdly, uh, children need a dad who embraces them and encourages them. Uh, the son returns and the most beautiful thing is when the father runs out and meets him and the father then kneels down because the son obviously just kind of probably collapses and so he kneels down and he just embraces him and it's this incredibly beautiful picture and I think we do need dads who, who embrace their kids and continue to. Uh, we often embrace our kids when they're young and then as they get older we sort of somehow stop embracing them. I think we got to keep trying to embrace our kids, keep embracing our kids. Um, um, uh, my dad was not a great hugger and that's probably where you know there's my reason for not being a great hugger. Um, my dad was a great father, he was present with me. And so the embrace of the Father is a physical thing, but it's also like a metaphor for being present with and being devoted to and giving time to. Um, I quoted last week, or two weeks ago when I preached, I quoted, quoted Henry, Henri Nguyen. And uh, Henri Nguyen was um, uh, one day in St. Petersburg on a holiday, and he went into the Hermitage, which is a famous, uh, one of the greatest art museums in the world. And he came across a painting um, by Rembrandt and the, the painting was the return of the prodigal son and that's a picture of it there I've shared this before a couple of years ago but he was captivated by this artwork like captivated to the point where he didn't just look at it for five minutes and then move on to the next artwork and the next one as you normally do but he was captivated and he stayed there looking at this artwork for hours and he came back the next day and he looked at it for hours more 
And then he, he, he came back the next day and he looked at it for hours more. And then after that, he wrote a book called The Return of the Prodigal Son about this artwork and about this parable. And the thing that uh, Nguyen wrote that just captivated him the most was the detail. And, and there's this incredible detail. Like if you notice the son, he's got one, one shoe on, one shoe off. He's, 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 he captures this kind of like the fact that he's trekked back and he's broken. But the thing that the detail that captured him the most were the hands. The hands of the father embracing the son. And our sons need to feel the embrace of their fathers not distance. Um, Final point is this. Um, Children need a dad who gives them the time they need, who gives them the time they need. Children need a dad who gives them the time they need. This story um, of the lost son and he returns and there's a celebration. It kind of ends in this such a beautiful picture. There's this party and a celebration and they kill the fattened calf and there's a verse where you could just finish it and say, what a great story. But there's actually another son. And the son actually, this other son leads to a different kind of ending to this story than what, what seems like the perfect ending. Because the son, the older son who's been there on the farm working, finds about, out about the, long, uh, the younger son who's been wasteful and has wasted all the money and has been welcomed back. And the older son ends up angry and outside. And the reason this, this part of the story is there is because the verse that precedes this story of the three lost things is the Pharisees are angry because Jesus is welcoming sinners and tax collectors. And they're like, why, why is he eating? And why is he showing giving time to tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus tells this story to say to them that you guys are like the older son. You're the ones who are saying, we have earned the right to, you know, to, to be accepted by God. We have proven ourselves. You know, we've earned it. We've shown it. We've done all the right stuff. We followed all the laws. We deserve, you know, we deserve uh, God's blessing. And then when the, uh, the, these sinners and tax collectors start coming along, they say, Jesus, why would you even accept them? You should reject them. They're the, they're the bad kind of people. We're the good people. They're the bad ones. And Jesus tells this story to show them about why they should accept, why they should celebrate when the tax collectors and sinners are coming to Jesus. But what the dad does is he doesn't sort of get angry. It's very easy for dads to get angry. Um, He doesn't say, well, if he's going to stay outside, you know, stuff him, he can stay outside then. He'll miss the party. Here's bad luck. That's not what he does. He goes outside and he meets with the son and he starts to explain to him, son, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But now, this son, we thought he was dead. He's family. He's returned. And uh, come and celebrate with me. We don't know whether the son ever went in, but we know that the father went out. And I think sons need uh, our time and they need our teaching. Uh, The man, the father goes out and explains and teaches to the son. Sons need our time and they need our teaching. And this is what um, this is what the father gives to his older son in this moment. Uh, time is a precious thing, especially in this day and age. How many people are living busy lives? All of us. How many people have got many commitments? All of us. How many people can be at home with their children but not present with their children? That's the, that's the challenge, to be at home but not present. And uh, uh, we can be on the email, we can be on Facebook, we can be on all sorts of things. We can be there, present, but not present. And that's the challenge. Now, 
my father was a very busy man. He was a doctor. He was a doctor in the country, which meant uh, being called out to emergencies and called out to do uh, delivering babies and all this kind of stuff. And he was also, in his spare time, heavily involved in the local community and he played sport and he did all sorts of things. So he was a busy man, but he was a present man. He was still present. And there was times, was many times, when he would devote time to me, probably when he was tired and exhausted and he'd come home and I'd say, Dad, come on, can we play cricket in the backyard? And he'd say, sure, let's do it. And uh, that's what we'd do. And I never got that sense that work was first or sport was first or anything was first. Family was first. So we've got to give our time, our, our kids time. So here's the thing. Here's four things, four, four ways that we can follow the love of the Heavenly Father. One is to never give up on our kids. Second is to let your character to be defined by grace and compassion. Third is to embrace your children. And fourth is to give them the time they need to know that they are loved. Now, here's the deal. When I consider this story and I consider my parenthood, I look at the perfect example of the Heavenly Father and I realize how often I fall short of that. Any dads in the same boat? Okay, any parents in the same boat? The dads and the mums all said, yep. <laughs> and that's because we fall short of the glory of God and we reflect His goodness and glory and, and the perfect love of a father. And that's to be expected. But I just want to say, keep at it, dads. You're doing a good job. And for the wives and for the others around, we need to get around our dads. We need to get around our mums on Mother's Day, I'll say that. But we need to get around our dads because being a dad is a hard gig. And um, parenting in this day and age is incredibly challenging. The rise of social media and the rise of a whole lot of stuff. And for various reasons, our young people are going through things and experiencing things. And what, what should be some of the horrible stuff teenagers are going through that should be rare and uncommon. Should be like, what? A, a kid's experiencing that? A kid's going through that has now just become the norm. That you hear a kid's going through something like, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's just normal these days. And I could go into all that stuff and I won't do that. But trying to parent through that is really hard. And so pray for our dads. Encourage our dads. Get around them and support them. And I want to say, the dads I know in this church, I reckon, are doing a really good job. We've got some good dads in this church. So keep at it, guys. And keep looking up. As Dan gave that beautiful picture of the baby, his own son, who just looks up to his father and the knowledge that the father is the one that supplies all our needs. Keep looking up. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app. 